Welcome to D4 Sports, day drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, everyone, to episode three of D4 Sports. Uh, another round on the house is uh, our, our title for this episode as we take a, a look at where we are in sports and uh, tie it into our day drinking theme as well. This uh, All of our segments this time are kind of inspired by uh, various aspects of, of drinking. Dustin, what are you looking to uh, bring to the table here in episode three? I think what well, we want to bring to the table, um, like you had stated, tie, tie more into the, the drinking theme of um, what we're trying to do um, with with sports and drinking. But I think what we want to do with this uh, this episode is really kind of talk a little bit about the, the upcoming football season. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of give our perspectives, give our predictions, just kind of see how we um, – what our thought process is and how we um, decide – what our predictions are and who we think will will do well, do bad, um, and just kind of go from there. And and like I had mentioned before, what I enjoy about predictions is at the end of the year getting to see um, if you actually know something or if you mm-hmm. really have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And last year, Dustin and I both put together kind of our you know the overall predictions in terms of you know who's going to the playoffs and uh, and I can I think I can say confidently for both of us that the LA Rams kind of ruined all, all, all of our predictions with their stellar performance last year. Um, right. Anyway, we're going we're, we're gonna to jump off and, and get this started. We're, this first segment we're going to call pregame because, you know, you can't enjoy a good day of drinking without pregaming. And, and in fact, before we even dive into, you know, the actual, you know, content here, I got to tell this one story because my kids, so... Total disclosure, I really did not drink much at all um, as, as a kid. I, I had went to a few parties in high school, did that sort of thing. But in college, not really a big partier. We got married really young, had our kids really young. We really didn't. We lived right near the Napa Valley. I mean, an hour and a half from the Napa Valley for five, six years of our marriage and never once went. One of our great regrets now is we obviously uh, in, enjoy a nice glass of wine, my wife in particular. But I'll never forget, my kids are getting old enough, you know, when they're started to, you know, go to parties in high school and particularly in college. And they were saying, you know, that, uh, oh, yeah, we got a pregame. And I'm like, what's pregaming? Right. And they're like, oh, you know, it's when you when you have your drinks before the before the before the game starts or, you know, before you party. So it's like, you know, drinking before you go out drinking. And, and I'll, I'll never forget one time my my mom, God rest her soul, who lived with us was talking to my daughters and they were getting my, the girls were getting ready to go out. And my, my mom was like, Oh, you know what I always do, what I would do is I just get a bottle of gin before I go out. <laughs> and our kids, our kids were like, Whoa, grandma's telling us to pregame and, and with a bottle of gin, a whole bottle. But, um, I don't know if she meant the whole bottle, but you, you never know. She, she might have. So that's like going have to you the ever... weight room before the game. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. And... Man. <laughs> it's a box of donuts before the game. I don't know. You, you, you never, you never took down a whole bottle of gin before a, uh, before a, a day at the bar, huh? Not, not when pre-gaming, but I definitely know the terminology. Uh, definitely have utilized the pre-game. Uh, well, yeah. And then tailgating, uh, you really pre-game before you pre-game. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you have a few drinks before you get to the tailgate at the tailgate yeah. before the game. You're you're pregaming. So, yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, you do. Well, see, my buddy, my, my, my buddy, John and I, we tag we, we called it the scout drink. Right. They said the scouting team. You got to have the scout drink before you pregame, you know, so right. you can get out there. But uh, anyway, so so we thought we'd open up uh, this episode today with uh, our, our most interesting stories of the week. And uh I, I, we haven't told each other what these are, so I'm actually going to be going to be gracious here. I'm going to let Dustin. I'm going to let you go first. Give me your story of the week in case you take mine. Uh, then I'll have to come up with something else. But I, what do you got? I doubt. I doubt I take yours. Um, I think my my most interesting story of this week is more of a 
uh, a prideful story, a very proud moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes to us all the way from Lubbock with Ooh. the um, the six to eight year olds um, basketball that I uh, oh. coach in. And so uh, my son scored his first points of his hey. illustrious soon to be career or we're hoping. All right. Um, but uh, that's, that's the story I'm going with this week. Uh, most interesting story. I'm just proud of him and um, that he, uh, that he was able to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you shared that video with me. It was a very cool, very cool moment. And I, I, I vividly remember my oldest uh, daughter, Allison, when she was playing soccer and um, her first goal and she had a, a penalty kick opportunity. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm just, man, I, you know, nervous on the sideline standing there watching and she made it. So that was, that was good. She got her first, right. first goal, but yeah, but uh, that, that's a, a very cool moment. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with something a little, uh, probably that a slightly broader audience may have heard of. And that to me is college sports and college sports kind of cutting its own legs out. I think um, I, I'm not sure what the big, fo- well, I don't even know how many big conferences there are anymore, but obviously I'm talking here specifically about the realignment among the NCAA division one schools, which has, you know, obliterated the PAC 12, right? Um, I mean, there's now four schools, of course, one of them being Cal, the school that I most, you know, root for being left with, with basically without a conference. And now you have, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I obviously, you know, college football is, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. I mean, it might even be a billion dollar business each year. I mean, it's, it's so much revenue, but you know, I mean, we all grew up with college sports and, and colleges were they were regional, right? And so you, know, you had the SEC, which stands for the Southeastern Conference, and all the teams were Florida and Georgia. You know, you got over to Louisiana. That's about as far as you got. But, of course, now they expanded, and they've taken teams from Texas. They've got Mizzou in there. You know, they've, they've got other schools. You had the Big Ten, right, which was, you know, your Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, you know, your Ohio State, these schools. And now the Big Ten has drawn in Oregon and Washington, as well as Rutgers on the East Coast a couple of years ago in Maryland. So now, now you have this bizarre situation where you have, not only is it no longer regional, but you've you've destroyed any semblance of the historic bowl games, right? I mean, really, because the bowl games are always conference matchups. And now those conferences basically don't exist. But I think even, even, even more to the point is it's not, it, this will be fine for football. I mean, college football is not going anywhere. And, you know, the playoff they finally got to is going to expand and you're going to get the best schools in it. But but you, it's the other sports that just don't make any sense. It's just, you know, I mean, and even college basketball. OK, you know, you'll travel some. But you, you played and, and you were at Lubbock Christian. Right. So you, where, where all did you guys travel to typically? What, what was your geographic reach? Well, for conference itself, um, I would say our furthest was nine hours away in Arkansas. Uh, most of our teams that we played were the six hours away in Oklahoma City. But some of the, the furthest places we went were uh, we w- played the University of Miami, University of Rhode Island. Uh, mm-hmm. We went to Southern California. But the Rhode Island and the Miami were more we played a Division One NCAA team in Miami and Rhode Island. And that was mm-hmm. more they were paying us to go there. So from a financial Mm -hmm. standpoint, it was beneficial for our college. Um, What we're seeing now is that the, with, with the college sports is that football is like you said, King. Um, I heard Mm -hmm. something the other day that if the university is a house college football and the athletic department is the front porch, Mm -hmm. that's what gets most people into the the college. Right. Yep. Um, So how this is shaken out is that there's a possibility of three conferences, 20 teams in each conference travel. I mean, it's, it's, it's really going to be crazy, especially when you've got, um, like you said, Ohio state having to go to Washington. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Especially what are the fans looking at baseball or or basketball or, um, volleyball swimming or track, or, I mean, it's all the schools, right? It's in, that's where uh, you almost just think, just break football off and make it its own 
you know, organization, right? And uh, I mean, it's all it is. Well, but here's the thing. I, I would say all it is is a developmental league for the for the NFL, but that's not really true, right? Because the draft every year, you only get it's seven rounds, 30, 250 people drafted, right? right? 250 players. And then you get, a you know, a, a, maybe each team brings in, what, five undrafted free agents. That's that's like three rosters, right? That's like a total of like three college football rosters because they carry, what, 80, 90 people each. So I just I just don't know. I, 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 I it's just uh, I mean, it's obviously driven by money, um, you know, and but I it just doesn't make much sense to me. And, and I, I really wonder what this is going to do for college sports down the road. And and I mean, you go back to even just like the fan base. Right. You're telling me that that the Oregon fans are going to travel to go to Maryland or Rutgers. Uh, they're not. Right. Right. They're, they're, they're not going to do it. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. I, 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 I'm not a fan um, of, of what they're doing. Obviously I think you can hear that in my voice and I, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems down the road or it will eventually just see college football and maybe basketball just split off into their own entities and the other sports will, but now you've blown the conference, you've blown the conferences up. So I don't even know. I don't think this is way back. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure they can always reorg again, but I don't know. Well, it's going to be like trying to glue pieces of a shattered vase. I mean, you've kind of just, like you said, blown it up. I mean, it's going to be yeah. really hard to bring everybody um, into conferences again that have just, yeah. you know, like you said, several conferences have are no more. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. And I, I even remember the Big 12 at one point talking about bringing Gonzaga into the fold, but then it was, well, they don't, where's football in the mix for Gonzaga? Yeah, they're great at basketball. Right. They've been pretty good at, at college baseball recently, but what's the what's the benefit of bringing them in without having that right. football with it? So Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, oh, oh, and by the way, these are student athletes, right? <laughs> Let's not forget Absolutely. that. <laughs> How important it must be for them to be there to take their exams and everything else, right? So uh, anyway, that's that. That's for me. That's that's the one. So that that's our pregame segment for this week. This segment we're going to call pairings because you know it's whether whether you're drinking beer or you're drinking wine or even cocktails. It's pretty important that you pair the right drink with the right food. And then we're not really going to talk about food pairings here because, you know, we're not going to get foodie on you. Not that we couldn't, but we're not going to. But, you know, pairing it up. You go, you and your buddy walk into a bar, Dustin, back when you did it. What was your go-to? I don't know. You still go. Maybe you just don't. Uh, well, anyway. Yeah, you still go to a yeah. bar. That's um, a good point. Walking in, I think it was the mindset, are we going to um, sit down in Taiwan off and stay for, <laughs> you know, two or three games and, and go from yeah, yeah. there? Because um, that definitely changes the dynamic of, of which direction I'm going to go. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times if we were just going to sit there, watch several games and just have a time. Get an Uber I'd home. Go, go, <laughs> go somewhere, go something light, um, you know. Uh, I, I always went the route of the Coors Light. You know, a lot of people argue there's several light beers that uh, you could go with, but mm-hmm. uh, I go with the the Cold Mountains, the Blue Mountains. Um, <laughs> but if we were just going to be there for a game and just kind of hang out, and I, I'll you know three or four, uh, I definitely being in Texas, go with the Shiner. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good Bach beer. Uh, it's a it's a pretty big beer here in Texas, and if you haven't had one, I would say definitely definitely try one. So, um, yeah, well, what about not even you? being from Texas, not even being from Texas, but Shinerbach is a, is a strong beer. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not just a pure beer guy. Right. So frankly, and it, you know, it depends what I'm doing. Right. Like, so when I was back in St. Louis, frequently meet up with my buddy, Tony, we had this little, uh, true full, I mean, they called it a sports bar, but it was a dive bar. Um, the alibi, which is a pretty good name for a bar. Tony and I, head into the alibi and uh and my go-to is you know bourbon and seven up you know and the, if i had to pick one that i'm just gonna go you know i'd go jim beam uh jim beam and seven up and you know i mean i 
still kind of my go-to drink at, at home. If I've just, you know, it's afternoon or something and well, you know, slow day at work. No, no, no. Just kidding. Don't anybody I work with. That's not true. Um, but never a slow you day. Know, yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. I'm just, sl- I'm just working all the time. But um, no, you know, Saturday afternoon, whatever, Sunday afternoon, I'm watching the game, whatever it is, bourbon and seven up. It's a great drink. You know, the old school seven and seven, right? It used to be called the Seagram seven, but I don't drink Seagram seven. But uh, yeah, bourbon seven up is kind of my go to from a beer perspective. And now, you know, and now, you know, being in the UK, we go to the pub after work. I mean, pretty much, you know, you're in the office, you you go to the pub for a couple after work. Um, and I, I've made this comment to several people since I've been here. I'm like, yeah, the difference, you know, and I don't want to dive too far into the difference in pub culture and bar culture, but, you know, if in, in America, my experience would be if you tell somebody, yeah, I stop at the bar two or three times a week on the way home from work, Americans might look at you like, dude, you got a problem, you know? And, Absolutely would. <laughs> and, and over here, it's like, well, you're not coming to the pub? You know, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're just at the pub and I, I go walking home from work. And again, I live in central London. I'm able to walk home. I walk past 30 pubs. And in the summertime, I mean, there's people just standing out on the streets because it's legal to drink on the street in, in the UK. And the pubs are just they're full. And then there's just people, you know, mobs around outside and everybody's standing there having a couple. And, uh, you know, primarily beer here. Uh, you can get liquor at most pubs, but uh Believe it or not, the standard single pour is only 25 milliliters, which is a half of a mini. <laughs> I mean, it's almost nothing. So uh, it's not a very good deal to actually buy liquor in a, in a bar in most places. But um, yeah, several good, several good uh, you know, pu- pubs here. Uh, you know, there's a couple of breweries that are pretty big. Uh, there's a brewery called Camden. Uh, Camden Hells or Camden Lager uh, are both. Uh, and they also got an IPA. It's pretty good. There's one called Neck Oil, which is an IPA. Uh, over here, but it's not a real super hoppy IPA. And it's, uh, you know, in classic American style, it's four and a half percent ABV for for an IPA, which, uh, and if you don't understand why that's funny, it's uh, how many, how many IPAs can you find in America, Dustin, that are less than 5% ABV? Yeah. I, you said 4.5 and I said, that's not an IPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Budweiser. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I drink yeah. for Coors Light. Yeah. But, uh, and of course, you know, if you get a, a, a well-pulled pint of Guinness, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite tasty as well. And it's definitely different when you get it out of the old school cask ale here, uh, versus, you know, out of a, certainly a can or, a or a bottle or even in most taps in the U S. So, uh, and that's one thing I've heard for years and years and years is that you're yeah. not going to get a better beer than a Guinness. Over yeah. There. Well, I mean, I, well, I mean, it obviously depends on your taste. Uh, I mean, if you don't like, if you don't like a stout, then, you know, but. Well, for somebody that is, I don't want to say I'm a connoisseur or was a connoisseur, mm-hmm. but I definitely yeah. could have a, a wide range of what I drink. Yeah. And with that saying that there isn't one that's much better, if not one that is better yeah. to get one fresh from. Oh yeah. I mean, even the, the, yeah. the Guinness brewery itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've done that um, and yeah, it's as good as it gets right there. Right. Right. So yep. to, to me, honestly, Guinness is probably, again, I, we don't have pubs, we have bars and things like that. But yep. when I think of pub, I think Guinness yeah. You know, when I think of the UK, I think Guinness beer. So yeah, it's pretty that's much right or wrong. That's place. just what I yeah. think. I mean, it's Irish, but you know, yeah, it's no, I, enough, and I know yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it is, but yeah. that's just how my that's where my mind goes. Yeah, and it's it is probably the single beer that's available everywhere. I mean, there are some others that are pretty much ubiquitous, but yeah, but uh, but you're gonna find Guinness everywhere. So so you're saying like right. a Shiner in Texas. It's pretty much like a shiner in Texas. I would I would say that's uh, that's probably the case. So uh, yeah, so there's there's your pairings for the day, and uh, look forward to sharing some more uh, good uh, good drinking stories and advice as we go. All right, this next segment we're going to call shaken and stirred. Shaken and stirred. These are going to be our predictions for the upcoming NFL season. We're going to. Put them in the put them in the shakers, shake it up a bit, and see what comes out. So, uh, 
we're going to start this. Uh, we're going to talk about teams first. We'll talk about who we think are going to, you know, win each division, uh, that sort of thing. You know, who we think is going to come out on top, maybe who we think is going to come out on the bottom, and then a couple of surprises each. So uh, why don't we why don't we start with the NFC? Because uh, I think in general, although it might be more interesting in terms of competition, because it's hard to really pick too many you know, really top tier teams in the NFC is there's the AFC seems so much stronger, but, but Dustin, who you, who do you got? Uh, who do you got in the NFC? What, what, what do you, what do you think is it's a, it's going to look like? I mean, right now who I have at the top is going to be the same as last year. I mean, the Eagles, they look good. They've got a good offense. Um, yeah. I still think the 49ers may surprise you. I mean, they, they typically have a decent defense. Um, now they've got Christian McCaffrey, Mm-hmm. You know, your quarterback's in, in question, but somewhat of a question. They like Brock Purdy. Um, mm-hmm. They also have Trey Lance in the wing again. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of are you, see are you, are you a Are you a Trey Lance believer? I am not. I do not foresee yeah, I mean, that really working out for them, especially with, with Brock Purdy now coming coming into to his own um, and seeing yeah. what he does. So. Although I, I got to say, I think Purdy's one of those guys I got big question marks about too. I mean, I know he, he had a good, good start, but and I don't know. He could be the Matt Flynn of, uh, uh, of, of this, uh, this generation, but I, I guess we'll see. All right. Yeah. So I'm in agreement. Eagles and Niners. I think, I think so there. What, what do you got in the, uh, North and South? So for the North, I've got Vikings at the top, um, mm. just because they still have some studs on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, arguably the the best receiver in the league right now. You've got yep. Mr. Consistent with Kirk Cousins. You just know what you're going to get with him, whether it's good <laughs> or bad. You know what you're going to get. That's right. How do you like um, that? You exactly. like that? <laughs> um, you know, you no longer have Dalvin Cook, but you still got. I mean, Madison's going to be okay. I think they'll. Mm-hmm. He'll. He's not going to be Dalvin Cook, but he's still yeah. going to be pretty good for you. Um, and then with Hawkinson, I mean, that's a the good tight end right there. So I think the Vikings are going to be okay. And um, this one may surprise you a little bit. I think the Saints are going to come out in the South. Mm. That's actually who I have too. I've got the Saints. I do not have the Vikings in the North, but I do have the Saints in the South. Uh, The NFC South is, I mean, I I, I don't know. There's just not much there. (laughs) No, there's really not. It's it's going to be, I say a tough division, but it's only going to be tough for themselves. <laughs> Probably. Well, you know, and I mean, Atlanta could be interesting, right? I mean, I have them too. Yeah, Ritter, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Yet. I mean, if if Ritter turns into a player, you know, and Kyle and Pitts. and what if what if Baker Mayfield finally figures it out? You're shaking your head. You're not. You're I'm not buying my head. No, <laughs> I've been watching Baker since he was throwing 800 yards against Tech. I mean, he's yeah, still Baker. Great game, by the way. I was actually thinking about trying to find a replay of that uh, of that Mahomes Mayfield matchup, <clears throat> just just for kicks. But so you don't think Baker's going to do it, huh? I do not. I don't think he's yeah. he's the guy. So. I don't either, and I don't know enough about Kyle Trask to say one way or the other. But I mean, he's effectively a rookie because I think the Buccaneers. Well, although last year I think the coaching was. A, a problem. Um, I think it's safe to say there, but um, I mean, they still have the core of that Super Bowl winning team is a lot intact. And, you know, they got a good offensive line. You've still got Evans and Godwin. Uh, I think Rashad White is going to be good in the backfield. Um, if they can get any semblance of quarterback play, I, I think the Buccaneers could, could conceivably run away with that division. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm going with the Saints. I, I like you know Olave and um, uh, Michael Thomas if he actually plays. You know, and uh, they, they have a good yeah. squad. I mean, Kamara's yeah. going to miss some games, but yeah, he's still good. He's still Derek he's still Carr. strong. And I'm a I'm a car. I'm much more of a car apologist than a lot of people are. I, I think I think Carr got probably un, unfairly some of the blame in Oakland. Uh, or Vegas or wherever the heck they're playing now. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Carr is going to be all right. And um, we'll see. We'll see there. I mean, it, obviously, the I don't know. Like, uh, t- to your point, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a believer in, in much in the NFC South this year. Right. So I, I will say, let me go back to the North, because I'm actually 
And I don't usually do this because, you know, you get the hype teams and the hype teams, you're shaking your head already, but the hype mm-hmm. teams almost invariably don't deliver. But I think Detroit is going to do it. I, I, I think Detroit, going. I think Detroit's going to take it. I, 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 I like, I, I think that, um, uh, I, oh shoot, I blanked on his name, their, their head coach, um, Oh, whatever. The Lions head coach. Um, I, I think he's got the team playing, right? And I think they have the people. I think Goff, again, I'm, I'm a bit of a Goff apologist. Maybe he's from Cal, and so I'm being a Cal homer a little bit. But I think that, you know, in that system, he's making it work. He's playing well. And I think he really has the ability. I mean, he did take the Rams of the Super Bowl, Um you know, and I, I mean, and, and he's not Dilfer, right? He's not like he didn't get to the Super Bowl on the back of the world's best defense. But um, yeah, so I, 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 I like the Lions. I, and I think I think this might be their year. Um, so I think uh, for me, the Lions are going to be the Lions until they're not. I mean, it's kind of what we've yeah, been fair saying enough. from the get go. Oh, Lions going to lie. Detroit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah. then the name you're looking for is Dan Campbell. Dan um, Campbell. That's it. Thank you. And. And I think he's a good coach, and I think he might be the one to get him over the hump. Yeah. But again, I just feel the Lions are who they are right now until you, yeah. you prove to me otherwise. So, well, and they do, let's face it, they got to play enough defense, right? I mean, because I don't think I don't think the offense is going to be an issue, but you know their defense has not been good good enough for a long, long time. So, all right, so right. so so that's division leaders. Who you got coming in? Well, maybe let's do this. Who you got at the bottom? Who's going to be? At the bottom, I've got, yeah. so for the South, I've got the Panthers. Yeah, I knew that one. Yeah. The the North, I've got the Bears. Um, okay. They've got a good run game. Um, but that comes from the quarterback. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, they've just been, they've been interesting the past couple of years. And they haven't been fun to watch and. They'll I mean, win come some on, games, but Fields was three for three for 129 yards and two touchdowns, my friend. Yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, somebody pointed out that it was uh, <laughs> minus six passing yards in the air. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it might have been three screen passes, but hey, it's still the stats of the stats, right? The stats of the stats. Hey, hey, I mean, if this were the regular season, he's you know he's leading the league in passing pretty much, right? So that's true. For the so. East, I've got the uh, Washington Commanders. Um, okay, that's just where I where I have them. But uh, unfortunately for the NFC West, got my Cardinals mm-hmm. down there. I yeah. just I got to be a realist too. I can't be be blind to it, even though it's the the team I'm I'm going to be following and, and rooting for and everything. They're just I don't feel that um, they have much of a shot this year. Yeah. Well, I so I'm in agreement with you on uh, on two of those four. I got the Cardinals, although frankly. I think the Rams, I think the Rams defense is going to be awful. It's going to be awful. And I, I shared with you the stat this week. Okay, preseason, I get it. They gave up 214 rushing yards in the preseason. And yeah, there were two runs. One was 40 and one was 39 or something. That's still another 140 yards rushing in the preseason. And if you look at the drive chart, the Chargers win. 10 plays, 12 plays, 10 plays, 13 plays. The Rams couldn't get off the field in the first preseason game. And <clears throat> I mean, if you've watched any of the preseason offenses are not lighting it up and that's typically right. the case, right? I mean, um, I mean, there are a couple of exceptions, but yeah. So I, I think the Rams are going to challenge the Cardinals for last. Um, you know, if, if, if cups healthy and if Stafford's healthy and I think, uh, you know, they can, they can, they'll be able to score some, although I don't see that being a lot because their offensive line is, pretty pedestrian now. I just, I don't know, not high on them. Panthers, I'm with you. Uh, rookie quarterback, that's going to be problem enough. In the North, I have, uh, I got the Packers uh, coming in last. I think I'm not a Jordan Love believer. And again, maybe he'll prove me wrong, you know, but uh, I just, I don't see, I didn't see it in the times he played last year. Uh, you know, and, and it's one of those things you can usually see when a quarterback comes on the field and they have it right. And he didn't. And, uh, but maybe, maybe he will, maybe, maybe he'll come along, but I don't like their receiving room. I like Aaron Jones. I got that. And I think their defense will be all right, but 
No, not not buying the Packers this year. Um, and in the East, I'm I'm uh, I'm going with the Giants. Actually, I <laughs> again not a Daniel Jones believer either. Uh, maybe it's the fact that you just fall over when you're running free down the middle of the field, <laughs> and I I probably shouldn't hold that against him. But um, you know, and, yeah, I don't know and, about uh, that. The turf monster got him there. Well, that's true. That's true. That that field is pretty bad, but. And the other side, you know, I mean, his receivers have not been healthy at all. I mean, the Giants have had arguably the worst injuries to their receiving core of anybody the last few years. So maybe that will turn around. I like Saquon Barkley, and I, but I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see that happening. So uh, give me a surprise team in the NFC, Dustin. One or two. Who were who your surprises? I mean, the surprise team that I I have like picked out in mind was the Saints. Um, just mm-hmm. because they haven't been at that top tier um, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with that NFC South being what it is, um, it could be a surprise. It, it may not. But that's the team that kind of could stick out in my mind. And and I think the mm-hmm. Lions could be there too. But again, like I said, it's got to be mm-hmm. something that they, they prove. So All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two, and I think you're going to question me at length, but fair enough. I actually think... I think the Bears are going to surprise. And I actually think the Bears might slip into a wild card because I am selling the Vikings defense really hard. Uh, and you already heard what I had to say about the Packers. So I'm not there. And, and I think, I, gosh, I can't, I don't know. I mean, I think Justin Fields is going to be all right. And I, I mean, you can't win forever on a screen pass, and he's obviously going to have to improve his passing. But I think he has the ability to do what Lamar Jackson did in Baltimore, and and I think the rest of the Bears are going to be tough enough that I I think they got it. They're in a, a weak division. I like their schedule. I think I think they got a shot. Um, the other one is the Commanders. I think uh, I, I oh now he's really shaking his head. No, okay. No, I no. Look, I mean, you talk about small sample size. Sam Howell has been small sample size, so we'll have Very to see so. what happens there. But I mean, you talk about a skill, you know, skill positions: uh, McLaurin, Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, Robinson in the backfield with uh, Gibson. Gibson, both of them, and their defense. Man, their defense is tough. The, the Commanders' defense is is going to be good. I, I think. I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs because they're in a tough division, right? They got, I mean, the Cowboys are the Cowboys and they'll probably be a wild card and go out in the first round because they're the Cowboys. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I think, I think that's, that's going to be how it shakes out. And then I think the only, uh, the only team we have not mentioned now are the Seattle Seahawks and uh, I'm selling Geno Smith this year as well, even though he has maybe the best receiving room, you know, with, Metcalf, Lockett, and Jackson Smith in in Jiba. I don't. I'm not 100 sure how to say his name. I think that could be pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean their receiving core is any quarterback would love to have that. Yeah, um, and their yeah. defense is not near what we've been used to seeing over the past no, uh-uh. eight, ten years. So yeah, um, that'll be. But I think their offensive line with, is yeah. With the West, you've got the Niners, the Hawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. So it's, it's yeah. You know, so they got a shot. Keep up with the Niners. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just throw it to you for the AFC. I'll let you start this one off. All right. Uh, Yeah. So, well, let's go with the easy one, right? The AFC West. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, Now, I do think the Chargers will push them. And I think the Chargers could very, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers get over the hump and, and take a division from him. But, you know, and like you said, the lions are the lions until they don't lion and the chiefs are the chiefs until they don't chief. And, you know, I, 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 you know, last episode we talked about, I got question marks around can Mahomes keep turning very, very average wide receivers into what they need to be the best team in the league. And until he doesn't, he, he will. So, but, and I, and I, I think they'll find a way to, enough to get it done to win that division. Right. Fair enough. I mean, I'm a homer in that one being from Lubbock and 
yeah, yeah, the Red yeah. Raiders and everything. But like you said, he just keeps doing it. So until yeah. he doesn't anymore, you kind of just got to yeah. lean in into that. And I agree with you fully. I mean, I think the Chargers are going to be a very good team this year. Yeah, um, I do too. I really like Justin Herbert. Um, yeah. And yeah. he's got some great, great weapons um, to work with. And, and you got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, yeah. Eckler's just a huge guy, especially for a running back to have the hands that he does. Now, I think he's a better yeah. receiver in, from the backfield than a running back, but he's still very talented back there. Yep. And Kellen Moore – Calling plays now, and I think that's going to make a big difference. Right. So, yep. Uh, and the other one I'll go to right off the gate is uh, the AFC South. I'm going to take the Jaguars, <clears throat> which I don't think is much of a stretch because, again, you've got the Colts and the Texans, both of whom have rookie quarterbacks at best and aren't showing much. Uh, you know, barring a miracle, those two teams – if they win more than five games, I think anybody'd be surprised there. And then you got the Titans, and I don't know what the Titans are doing. Uh, Vrabel's a good coach, um, but I, you know, Henry's good. But beyond that, I mean, they got DeAndre Hopkins now, but I, uh, I got a feeling that this might be the year that Hopkins turns into AJ Green in his last couple of years, and. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe not. Maybe he'll still be there. So I like the Jaguars. I think, you know, hard to not like what you're seeing Trevor Lawrence do. Travis Etienne's solid. Calvin Ridley's a wild card. You know, he's going to have to come back and be able to play. I, I'm beyond, excited about that just to see what, yeah. what he could do because he's such a, a talented receiver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was phenomenal, of course, at Alabama. And, you know, and then came in with Atlanta and had – you know, a good, a good start to his career and derailed for a variety of reasons. But, um, you know, I think, right. I think we'll see some things, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to come down to a lot of team chemistry. And I think, I think like the lions and Dan Campbell building the room, I think Doug Peterson is doing the same with the Jaguars. And I think, I think that's going to be a big plus. So uh, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the uh, North and East, Dustin, what do you, uh, what are your picks in the North and East? Uh, for the East, I have the Bills at the top again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had them last year up there. I mean, they're, they're they're a talented group. I mean, Josh Allen, he's a he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still got a great receiving core there. Um, Stephon Diggs leading that way, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's, um, I mean, they're they're a good team. Uh, and again, with the Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots, it's it's what are they going to do to get up there? I mean, I know the Dolphins mm-hmm. offense could be legit. Um, Tua's got to stay on the field. Um, I mean, you got Tariq and Waddle who are both just, I think yeah. they're up there with the Seahawks with their receiving core. I mean, they really are such talented players. Um, yeah. I mean, with the a- yeah, I would take the but, Dolphins over the, over the Seahawks. I, I would, I mean, because Tyreek, oh, yeah. the guy's incredible, right? It's just incredible. Yeah. Right, and if you're going to double team him, I mean, I don't see any anybody stopping Waddle in one on one coverage. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, but uh, with the AFC North, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Okay, I mean they yep. they've still got Mixon, Burrow. Um, their receiving core is is yeah. just as good as the other two teams that we've mentioned as well. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that those are the I have in the East and the North, and I agree with you in, in the AFC West. I have the Chiefs as 1A, and I actually have the Chargers as 1B. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. like you stated, I think they're they're it could go either way with that, but um, the Chiefs have just been doing it last year alone. I mean, they lose Tyreek, and then they still just – Mahomes has done what he's been doing yep. for the past few years. Um, yep. And then with the AFC South, I have the Jaguars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main reasons – Texans and Colts, they yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. going to struggle this year, yeah. and I don't, I just don't see the Titans doing it um, with with yeah. Tannehill and Henry. Um, there's only so many times you can have a guy run 45 times a game. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, no it's just not yeah. going to work for you. Yeah, yeah, he's got so a lot of touches the last few years. <laughs> he really has, and and you just yeah. load the box, and you can only take so many hits. I don't care if you're, you know, a six four running back. Um, yeah, I mean he's huge. So he's absolutely he, he huge. Yeah, fills some of them, but at the same time, you can only take so much. Yeah, agreed. 
So. Agreed. All right, all right then. So go ahead. You get get something else. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, who do you have uh, towards your bottom? Yeah. Well, well bottom, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think at the bottom of the AFC are the Colts and Texans, <clears throat> and then I think, yeah, I think the Raiders are not going to be good. Um, you know, I don't uh, Garoppolo. I don't. You know, I mean, Jimmy G has a he wins, right? I mean, he's he's won pretty much everywhere he's gone, um, but. I don't know. I, I, you know, look, I mean, McDaniel as the head coach, longtime Patriots guy, I got to give it up for McDaniel as an offensive coordinator. I don't think he is the right head coach. And I, uh, I just don't, I don't know. I, I got a, I got a bad feeling about them. I think, I think the Broncos are not going to be, I, yeah, Russ, man, let, let Russ cook. The problem is Russ is cooking in a microwave. I mean, he's getting a frozen dinner and popping it in and, hoping it comes out tasting palatable. And last year we saw that and I don't know. They've also I, had injuries too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of another quarterback who, you know, had a good 10 years and then fell off the way Russ did last year and then came back? Not as drastic as that was. It yeah. wasn't something where it started to just go downhill. No. It was almost like he jumped off a cliff. Yeah. How it was bad. bad it was. Yeah. And and I mean if if you ask um Sean Payton, it may not have been <laughs> Russell Wilson. But at the well, same time he's banking time, on it not being Russell Wilson, didn't he? Right, absolutely. But Russell Wilson still has to throw the ball. Yeah, he does. I mean, he still has to be the decision guy once that ball is snapped. Yeah. So I, I do feel that um I actually again, have the Broncos at the bottom. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I don't feel the Raiders are going to be any good either. So that was, I guess, with the AFC West, it's Chiefs 1A, Chargers 1B, mm-hmm. Raiders 4A, Broncos 4B. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of how I have it. I mean, there, there's definitely... Not sure how good uh, your numbers are going to work there, but all right, yeah. Give two it teams to at the top, yeah. two teams at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. For sure yeah. in that one, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how about how about the North... Beyond the For Bengals, me in the what bottom, do you see? Um, I have the Browns at the bottom. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we we've kind of talked a little bit about that. I just don't think the Browns are going to be any good again this year. Um, mm-hmm. I have the Steelers third. Um, okay, I think they're going to be okay because the Steelers mm-hmm. usually are. They're not one of those teteams that you go, "Oh, this will be a walk in the park for a team." I mean, they're still going to come out and Mm-mm. play. They're still yeah. going to be fairly good. Um, Firemuth is going to be an okay tight end. You've still mm-hmm. got some decent receivers. Um, so, and Najah Harris is, is a, I think is a very good running back. So mm-hmm. um, they just got to be able to get the ball down the field in the air some to be able to open up things for him. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Ravens, I think I am not a huge Lamar Jackson guy, mm-hmm. but he can still do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's been consistent enough to show me that he can win games, whether it's with his feet or in the air. So that's why I have them second. So here's what I think on the Ravens though. So, I mean, you know, the Ravens have brought a new offensive coordinator and they're, they're changing their game plan from what I, everything I've heard, right. It's not going to be Lamar and the pistol, all RPO and mostly R out of that PO. Right. Um, And, and I think, and you, you can't argue with Lamar's numbers, but I think when you go back and you watch the game film, when Lamar had his good passing moments, it's because it's all RPO, right? And and he's such a good runner that everybody plays the run. And so he's got receivers running open, right? And hits them every now and then. I mean, honestly, I I, I mean, I am not a, a Lamar Jackson as a quarter, as an athlete, ab- absolutely, right? Phenomenal, right? As a thrower of the football, I think, I mean, that's how you beat the Ravens in the last couple of years. Keep Lamar in the pocket, make him throw the ball. And anytime he's had to do that, it hasn't worked. Um, and I think that's they're trying to make him a pocket passer. And I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think I don't think that works for him. And I and actually I the Steelers are one of my surprise teams this year. I think I think the Steelers are gonna be pretty good. I think Pickett's gonna turn it, I think he's gonna be all right. I, I like I like Deontay Johnson and I like Pickens. 
uh, out there at the at the wide receiver slot. If they get their offensive line together and they made some pretty significant efforts to do that, I think I I've got the Steelers in the wild card. I, I think I think the Steelers are gonna are gonna surprise to the upside this year. But uh, I guess we'll see how wrong I am on that. But that's probably my uh, my one of my bolder picks. But uh, so that leaves us with the rest of the AFC East, which. Of course, I have a vested interest in, but I also think might be the most interesting division in football this year in, in, in some ways. So I actually um, made a what do you note. Got? I made a note for myself that one of my surprise surprises of the season I have written down, AFC East is going to be the closest division mm-hmm. in football this year, just like the mm-hmm. NFC East was last year. Um, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the AFC East is going to be really, really close with the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. I think those three teams are going to be really close. Oh, and then there's another team in that division. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I do have them at the bottom. Um, part of that is just for you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. But um, it, realistically, though, uh, the Jets have some good pieces. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback he's Mm -hmm. taken some pretty subpar teams and done fairly well with them yeah so I'm interested to see how the Jets really do this year um he brought in some of his players from the Packers that he's played with has some camaraderie with and we'll see how that goes the Dolphins again they've got a good offense now if they can just stay on the field that's the biggest part so that's those are the reasons I have the Pats at the bottom Mm -hmm. um just you being a fan is secondary. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah, well, and I don't know. I mean, this literally just broke in the last few hours, but Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets. Um, just okay. Like literally just before we, I mean, not long before we recorded the show. So and I, you've I got that's Zeke a, at New England now too. Well, so that's right. Huge, yeah. Huge free agent running backs have gone yeah. to the AFC East. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it. If as a Patriots fan, I probably would have rather had Dalvin Cook. But um, but I think I think for what Zeke can bring to the table, I think he actually is a, a good fit for the backfield and for the team. Um, I got the Jets coming in last just because I want the Jets to come in last. And I want to see the wheels fall off, man. I just I just want to see this train wreck. I, I hate to say it. And Rogers, hey, he's from Cal, so give it up. You know, I got to represent there. And fantastic quarterback, surefire Hall of Famer. But man... If anybody, if anybody deserves to fall on their face in the NFL, <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm not gonna. You I'm know? not gonna disagree with you there. I would love yeah. to see that train wreck as well. Oh man, and uh, you know, my head says there's enough good pieces and enough good coaching with Salah there that I think the Jets probably won't get last. But I also think that Patriots defense is going to be absolutely fierce. Um. Their front seven was fantastic last year, and it's getting better this year. Um, they have a real offensive coordinator, and I think that's going to make a difference. Um, I am. I still. Uh, I mean, I want. I want to be a Mac Jones fan. I just. Um, I'm having Zappy a hard baby. time. Yeah. Zappy. Well, hey, look. If Zappy could get a little more consistent, I would absolutely be a Zappy fan. I think he's far more dynamic and exciting on the field. But right. I guess we'll see. And I, I do, I think the Dolphins, I mean, they just, they stacked that roster. Um, although uh, they lost, um, uh, oh, Jalen Ramsey, right, is out for mm-hmm. darn near the whole season. So that's going to hurt. But I think I think the Dolphins are going to be there. And as much as I don't love Tua, I, I mean, if you can't, if you can't score some points with that offense, um, boy, I think that's that's a bad one. Although I will say this much, and one of the big pickups I think that's going to be a big impact for the Patriots is Mike Gesicki. I just can't figure out why the Dolphins let Gesicki go and barely even used him last year. I, and I know they said, well, their their coach doesn't scheme for the tight end, but I'm like, he's good. And I, yeah, Gusecki's I mean, good. I think he is good. And I, I think you, you pair him with Hunter Henry, and I think you've also got a really compelling two tight end, you know, twin towers. Do they still have Jonu Smith? No, they traded him. He's, uh, I think okay. he's on the Panthers. I think he went to okay. the Panthers. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but um, yeah. So, uh, 
So I, I, I've got uh, I've got the Patriots coming in third. I'd, I'd love to say they're going to be in the playoffs, but I, I don't think they will, uh, unless the offense just really surprises to the upside, you know. Um, but they're going to have to win with defense, and I think that's tough to do. So, Right. Our, well, really quickly, right. let me give you yep. some surprises, uh, who I think I'll give you two names for breakout seasons, and then I'll give you a, a flop that I foresee, if you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Surprises for me, like I said, I think the AFC East will be the closest division um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, I think that that's going to be a fun division to watch. Um, I did mention that I am interested to see how the Saints are going to do this year. I think they'll surprise as well, even though that division mm-hmm. is the opposite of what the AFC East is going to be in the intrigue aspect of it. Uh, but I'm going to throw out a bold prediction here and say Tua plays the whole season. Oh, okay. Doesn't miss so, a game? Like I'm, doesn't miss I'm a, saying, unless they sit him for rest or something like that. Okay, okay. He's, for for concussions or injury or anything like that. I think okay. Tua plays if he can play. That he's is bold, play, right? So that's my bold prediction. Two guys that I think are going to have a breakout season, and why I was uh, chuckling internally um, when you were talking about the Packers and Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love's going to have a, a, a breakout huh. year. Okay. So that's what that's why I was laughing. So me and you are going to be on total different or opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah. when it comes to Jordan Love and seeing how he does this year. But you also mentioned a name that I think will have a very good year. Um, I think Chris Olave um, mm-hmm. for the Saints is – I know they've got Michael Thomas coming back, but it, and, and he's been a phenomenal receiver over the past several years, well, mm-hmm. when he was playing. But I think Chris Olave is going to have a, a very, very good year. Mm-hmm. Um, but – and I'm also interested to see how Addison for the Vikings does now that Thielen's gone and Justin Jefferson is um, mm-hmm. that go-to guy, right? Mm-hmm. So you double-team Jefferson. I think Addison's going to do very yeah. well. Um, yeah. So we'll I, see how that goes. I just think rookie receivers are always tough. I think I think there's a right. There's a bigger learning curve for most rookie receivers than I think most people kind of are aware of. Um I mean, it's one thing it always strikes me when you, you get these guys in the NFL and say, he's not much of a route runner. Like, how could this guy be a wide receiver who's probably been a wide receiver for seven, eight years at the highest levels of college football and can't run the route tree? I mean, and that right. that's where you really start, you know, you get into how precise, you know, the NFL pieces are, right? All the guys, I mean, the technique, you know, same thing, you're like offensive lineman, Oh, he's a guard. He can't handle the footwork of tackle. And you're like, I, I, how can, I mean, you know, to the casual observer, I mean, like how much, how important could it be? But it's everything, right? If you can't mm-hmm. get those feet right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think Addison could have a good year. I just, uh, I'm always a little, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant with uh, rookie wide receivers. But uh, Right. And that's not a name yeah. I had listed down. I mean, the two names I have were Jordan Love and Chris Olave. I just think Addison has that potential for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the flop I have down here, and for for me, you were saying Aaron Rodgers is that guy that um, you would love to see just fall flat on his face. I think I'm going to go the route of Deshaun Watson. Um, Ooh. I I don't know how well he's going to do with the Browns. Um, I know he's he's a good player, right? He's he's very talented. He was a good player. So well, he was, <laughs> and and so. We'll see how it goes. I just don't foresee it happening um, in Cleveland. Um, and then another flop I have this year is the opposite of you again is I don't see the Bears doing much. Mm. So that's yeah, – well, that was Yeah, that was my – that was my, I went out on a limb there. I, I acknowledge that the yeah, Bears right. are a huge limb. You know, I'll, I'll give you that. Right. So <laughs> that, that's what I got there. All right. Well, so let me go bold prediction. Um Tony Pollard leads a league in rushing. That's my my bold prediction. I think I think Pollard is gonna he's gonna get a lot more touches. Although little Deuce Vaughn looked pretty good in the preseason and might actually get some playing time. So if that happens, I think that could be that could be bad for him. But uh, yeah, I think I think this could be a big year for Pollard. I think with with that offense, he's gotta stay healthy. He's gotta yeah. Stay well, no. Healthy. I, hey, look. Yeah, I, and. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of made a list of who I think are going to be my top performers. And I, I got Herbert at quarterback. I think Herbert's going to have a monster year. I got oh, Pollard. Yeah. I got, if he's healthy, I think it's Cooper Cup because the Rams don't have anything else. Um, so he's going to get the ball 
every down <laughs> and, or, or if not, then Jefferson um, and Kelsey at tight end, I think uh, a couple of breakouts. The one I feel really good about, I think is uh, Jahan Dotson on the commanders. I think, I think he's going to have a year. I think, I think he's going to make the big jump this year. That guy can catch anything. He's got hands like Larry Fitzgerald. He's got routes. He's got McLaurin. So he doesn't even have to be the number one guy. So I think right. he's going to be, he's going to be open. I think, I think this will be a good year for him. And I got um, to see him in college and the, the guy could play. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic yeah. wide receiver. So. Yeah. I think at, at the running back position, I mean, I have Pollard, but I don't know if I could really call him a breakout because he was, you know, already really the starter last year. And these other two guys, it's hard to call them breakouts, but I think both uh, Kenneth Walker uh, up in Seattle and Travis Etienne in Jacksonville are both poised to just really take it next level. Yeah, you're shaking your head a little on Etienne, huh? No, I like him a lot. I just, oh, okay. he did have a very good year last year. So the breakout yeah. is. But yeah, no, no, I, I really like yeah, both of those. Yeah. I like Etienne a little bit better than I do Walker. Um, yeah. I think Etienne could be a huge up and comer um, coming into yeah. the season for sure. Sure. My dark horses, well, and my breakout quarterback was uh, is Kenny Pickett. Um, already talked about him. I think I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna have a good year for the Steelers, and I think he's gonna turn into an actual starter. So I think that'll be good. Um, uh, and I got two tight ends. Uh, Dulcich in Denver, I think is going to have a good year. And uh, Okonkwo um, on the, uh, on the Titans, uh, I think is, is going to surprise. I think, I think he'll actually get the ball. Um, and I think he'll, he'll do some things. Um, uh, the other one, you know, like, well, here's my uh, question marks or sad to see you go is uh, <laughs> kind of category. I, I have Brock Purdy in the question mark category. Um, I already mentioned that a little earlier, so I won't say much more about that. But I think, I think Matt Stafford. I think this is going to be. I think this. I think. I think we've seen the best of Stafford, and I think it's going to be a uh, sad to see you go. He's not on a good team um, anymore. I think he can still play. He's getting older. Had that pretty rough injury last year, and I just. I think this is going to be one of those. It's going to hurt because I think Stafford's a great guy, but I, I think that's going to be a sad to see you go. I actually, I think Der- Derek Henry. I mean, he's a freaking nature, so he might prove me wrong on this. But I, as we said earlier, man, that guy's had touches. Um, he's going to be thirty when the season starts, and I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a fairly speedy decline for him. Um, and and that then I think one of the two others, either Mike Evans or Keenan Allen, I think one of the two of them, I think we're gonna kind of see a, a decline. I, I, maybe not. I, I'm a little I'm a little mixed on this because wide receivers in today's game are playing later, and you know they're both seven eight years in the league, so they've got a bit of mileage on them. But I, I was checking enough stats of other guys who've had really top flight careers and. They can make it another year or two, but I, I just, I don't know. I have a feeling. And I was thinking about kind of a going to my, say, flops or disappointments or less of a year, I guess you would say. And Mike Evans was actually towards the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even you know, you say Keenan Allen. My thing with both of them, the quarterback. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. I don't yeah. know how... Baker can get it to Evans as much as Justin Herbert is going to get it to Keenan Allen. Um, Yeah. 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 And, and the talent level there. Um, And, and Mike Evans, yeah, he had a fairly good season last year, but it wasn't up to what it had been in the previous three to four years. Um, Yeah. So I think Mike still still got a streak of thousand yard seasons going, right? I think he's got what seven in a row. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. Right. And it was still a great year for him, but yeah. Yeah. For it was a great year for wide receiver, but for him it wasn't up to what it had been, right? right. And, and so, when you have Tom Brady throwing more passes than anybody in the league, and it's Tom Brady throwing them, yeah, right. So that's that I and I totally understand what you're saying, and I think Mike Evans was towards the top for me, and and a good portion of that is because he's going to have Baker in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, and I I didn't really pick a flop, um, so I, I guess I don't I don't really know that I have. 
Uh, I mean, I've expressed my desires of who I would like to see flop. Um, definitely. Um, you know, I'd, I would just love to see the, I just, I would just love to see the wheels fall off of the jets. I just would, I just would. So there you go. All right. I, that's a, as a bit of a long segment here on our NFL predictions, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, hopefully that was some interesting day. We'd love to, if you got some feedback and you want to get a hold of us and let us know your thoughts and what we're thinking. And uh, we'd love to uh, love to hear that from you. So uh, there we go. That's a shaken and stirred for the day. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of our session for the day. Another round on the house. And, you know, Dustin, how do you finish up the night in the pub? Well, I'm not real sure how you do it in the pub, but here in America at the bar, you usually have your last call. You know, bartender calls it and says, hey, this is last call. After this, everybody's got to go. So that's typically how you end your night and call for one last round um, and, and then just kind of go from there. And that's what we'll do here. We got a couple of quick parting shots. Uh, I, I got I got two things I wanted to bring. You know, in my mind, you go to last call, you got to do you know, a drink and a chaser because you don't want to be left, you know, unsatisfied. Right. So I, so I got, I got two quick, two quick hits. First, the update from episode two, where we talked about Shohei Otani immediately after we recorded that episode on August the 2nd, the angels proceeded to lose seven in a row. And since then they are four and 12 and now are seven and a half games back out of the third wild card spot almost officially entirely done. And oh, by the way, they will likely get nothing for him as he's almost certainly going to walk in free agency. And just a reminder of how good he is this year, his war is 8.4. Next closest is 6.2. So he's good for several extra wins a year compared to any other player in baseball. It just goes to show that that window is so small sometimes. You could have you could have gotten something for him if he walks in free agency. Then I mean, you don't get much or anything. And the, and they could have gotten anything for him, frankly. Uh, my my other one, and I came across this story uh, today. It's actually a few years old. It actually comes from two thousand and nine. Um, and this is darn close to being, um, you know, a, a, a an opportunity for the D four Hall of Fame. But uh, Matt Tuiasa Sopo. And if that name's familiar to football fans, that's because he is the son of Manu Tuiasosopo, a defensive tackle back in the uh, 80s and 90s. But Matt Tuiasosopo hit his first career home run in September of 2009. Now, that's not all that notable, except for the fact that Mike Blowers, in a pregame, and he, Mike Blowers is the, one of the announcers for the game, in a pregame interview says, you know what? I think Tuiasa Sopo is going to hit his first home run in this game. But he goes further. He says he's going to hit his first home run. He's going to hit it to left field. He's going to, It'll be on a 3-1 fastball in his second at-bat. Sure enough, Matt Tuiasa Sopo, fifth inning, second at-bat, 3-1 fastball, drives it to left field, his first career home one. Arguably one of the greatest, maybe the single greatest call-your-shot moment in the history of sport. Matt Tuiasosopo, Mike Blowers, this close to the D4 Hall of Fame. We'll have to vote. We'll see how the voting turns out later this season. They may, they may get in. And I think what's great about that is just listening to the call and, and it yeah. going to a 3-1 count and just hearing the excitement in the commentators. And, and he even <laughs> says, he even says, I don't know if I've ever been so excited for a 3-1 count in my life. Um, and It was great. And they're just waiting for it. And next thing you know, he just blasts it. That's so fantastic. I know you told two stories and one was a chaser. I think, uh, you know, to be for you is to spell that last name for me, Nick, without Googling it. <laughs> well, I happen to have a, a, a tab up on my window so I could cheat. But uh, uh, T-U-I-A-S-O-S-O-P-O, Tuiasosopo. That's Great that's name. crazy, crazy last name. So. Um, I only have one story for you, and it's it's kind of a stat that I uh, I forgot about um, and ran across uh, earlier today. It was in 2015 in the NBA. Um, 
there was a team that went 17 and 0 to start the season and the entire starting roster got offensive player of the month and it was the Atlanta Hawks and that's that's not something you see every day and it's being the Hawks you don't expect that at all <laughs> I was going to say, is it that the Hawks had the offensive player of the of the week or the month, or was it that it was the whole team? Exactly, and it, it being <laughs> being the whole starting five, um, getting that uh, is just crazy, and especially for the NBA because let's be honest, guys take nights off, and so um, going out there and, and doing it seventeen games in a row is impressive enough. But um, I thought that was a pretty interesting stat, and it's something I knew but completely forgot about until I read it again today. Absolutely. That's a good one. That's your last call. Well, this is going to wrap up Episode 3 next week, and I know we dropped a teaser last week from Millwall and didn't follow up on it, but it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. The Millwall story is coming. We'll bring that to you next week. Until then, thanks for listening. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.